Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. For the end of the world will come like a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert all the time, praying that you may be able to escape all these things that are going to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This, the end of the world, uh, is not as atheists mock Christianity. Uh, Jesus' is coming look busy. Your deeds, your sins, my sins will be plainly obvious on display not only for God to see, but for the whole world to see. Every sin that you have ever, uh, ever done or not done, everything that you've ever tried to hide will be exposed for everyone to see. Our text makes it clear that to be found prepared at the end of the world is not about doing, but about confessing. I've said before that the Catechism, the six chief parts, uh, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Sacraments, uh, the, the Catechism is the key to unlocking the truths of Scripture. Consider that in the Second Commandment, which we confessed earlier, God says that we should not misuse His name, but we are to call upon Him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Just as Jesus says, here we are to do at the end of the world. And so that all comes into play whenever God teaches about the end of the world, as he does here. John in Revelation 1-7, which is a great companion text to our gospel lesson today, John says this, Look, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. And all the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. And St. Paul says in Philippians 2, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name of that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the end of the world, when God's kingdom comes with power and great glory, everyone will acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Everyone will confess his name. But most will be mourning and wailing, deeply wailing, deeply wailing. Because during their life, most people feared, loved, and trusted uh, in any other name, in anything else other than God. During their life, they didn't confess God's name. They confessed whatever name uh, whatever, uh, would relieve whatever burden they had. Whatever name would get them out of whatever problem they were in, whatever name would allow them to get ahead in life, they ran after other gods with other names, as our Old Testament lesson from Micah said. By fearing things in this life most of all, reputation, future, they had no need to fear God or call on His name. This is why we should fear and love God so that, you know, that, that line is at the beginning of uh, the explanation to all the commandments. Unlike the pagans who fear nature, 
who trust their own abilities, who love pleasure. God wants you to fear him. And that's actually positive because if you fear God, then he doesn't want you to fear uh, and worry about things that are outside of your control, including those things listed in our text. Uh, don't fear nature, sun, moon, and stars. Don't fear surging waves, tsunamis, earthquakes. Uh, don't fear war, nation rising against nation. Don't fear famine or plague, pandemic. Don't fear the supply chain collapse. Fear God. Now, of course, if it's your job to worry about those things, if you're a weatherman, if you're a geologist, if you're an infectious disease specialist, then sure, worry about those things and do your job. But for most of us, we end up worrying about things and assigning blame in areas where we have absolutely no control over and no right to. And by it, we sin against the second commandment because instead of calling upon God's name in every trouble, we're calling everyone else out in trouble. It's their fault. You know, if you're sitting at home and waiting for that Amazon package that's delayed by a few days, and you're just livid because of the supply chain issues, and so you start posting everywhere on, online about, because you know who to blame, right? You're just adding to the problem, and you're acting out of your vocation, and you're failing to honor God, and you're actually causing more people to sin. When the world is ending, or whenever we see signs of the end of the world in our own lives, when natural disasters hit, when we get sick, when we get the plague, how often do we actually curse God's name? Sometimes even literally. I, I mean, if something as ridiculously minor happens as we drop our phone and the first words of, out of our mouth are a curse against God, how, how can we actually think we're prepared for larger things? You know, when real suffering happens. As the world is ending, as it is now, the second commandment becomes very real. We should fear and love God so we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie or deceive by his name. Because these are the very things that we are prone to do when life gets out of our control. We're great at blaspheming. We're not so great at praising. When Jesus appears again in a cloud, he will appear to judge the living and the dead based on his commandments and specifically whether or not they confessed his name, the name of Jesus. Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of Luke, everyone who confesses me before men, him I will also confess, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God in heaven. And so on the other hand, if you, have, if you have nothing to complain about, if your life is so easy that you never actually have opportunity to confess God, uh, that you face absolutely no pressure from the world around you about the way you live, about the way you spend your time, particularly today on Sunday mornings, uh, if you're not persecuted because of the Christian faith, well, it might be time to consider what it actually means to confess Christ before men. There's a reason why Jesus instructs us to call upon him in the day of trouble, because trouble will come to Christians precisely because we bear the name of Jesus. 
Before our text, Jesus said that persecution, along with earthquakes and wars and famines and plagues, persecution is also a sign of the end of the world. The early church understood that persecution is something not actually to be avoided, but welcomed. Because it meant they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They were counted worthy to confess Christ before men. In the face of certain death, if the governors gave them the opportunity or the option of either death or simply cursing God or, or, or offering some incense to Caesar, they confess Christ. They confess Christ's name. And actually there's a record of, of some of the early martyrs uh, saying to these emperors and governors, uh, you can't kill us. And the governor's confusedly saying, well, yeah, we can, and then pointing to their legion of soldiers that are ready to strike them down at a moment's notice. And the Christian's responding by saying, uh, well, it won't be you that's killing us. You're simply going to be God's instrument by which he lets me hallow his name and lets his kingdom come. Man, if we had that conviction. If only we had that conviction. Some of them died. But so what? They get to rise again. And other times, the governors actually converted. Either way, it's a win. You know, we might not face that, that hard persecution, but we do face soft persecution. We do face consequences for actually being a Christian, for calling upon God's name and living according to his word. We might not get where we want to go in life because of it. And consider that early Christians gathered each week not because it was easy, not because they felt comfortable, but because they weren't. On the threat of death, they still gathered. They assembled each week to do what? To call upon God's name, to pray, praise, and give thanks. The gathered congregation the divine service is training. It's discipline for the rest of the week. Just as an athlete needs to discipline uh, their bodies and train, so do we. The words we say here together should find their place in your heart. And these are the words which should come out of your mouths the other six days of the week. Not curses but praises. When trouble happens, when it feels like the world is ending, because it actually is, we are to call upon him in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. I want to point something else out about Jesus' second coming. Both our Gospel lesson from Luke and Revelation 1-7 uh, say that Jesus will appear coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Well, that's a great image, right? Lo, he comes with clouds descending. But why a cloud? Why not just come? Come in light or on, on a chariot or something. Why a cloud? Well, think back to when God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. What was it that came down and enveloped the mountain? A great cloud. Hear this from Exodus. 
On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning. A thick cloud was over the mountain, and there was a very loud blast of the ram's horn. All the people in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the feet, the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke from a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled violently. When the sound of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain, and the Lord then called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And as Moses stands before God to receive the Ten Commandments, what name does God use as he gives Moses the commands? God says, I am. In Hebrew, eh, yeah. That's the divine name. The name that was so holy you, you couldn't even say. In other words, this is the word. The name Jesus uses for himself. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus standing before Moses. Moses is standing not before the Father. Moses is standing before the Son of God on Mount Sinai. And God says, these commands shall be done or else you will die. But what happens next? Moses actually comes down the mountain alive. Moses went into the cloud where God was, where the Son of God was, and did not die. Now Moses surely wasn't without sin. Moses surely didn't keep these commandments as he had received them. But he comes down the mountain because the commandments, including the second commandment, has been completed, has been kept by Jesus. And him coming down is a testament to all of the congregation of Israel. On Good Friday, as Jesus is about to ascend another mountain, the mountain of Calvary, to die on the cross, he's standing before the high priest. You know, the high priest is the one called to offer a sacrifice for the people because they haven't kept God's commands. And the high priest asks Jesus, Are you the Christ, the anointed one? Jesus doesn't respond with just yes. Jesus says, I am. Yeah, yeah. The divine name. And then Jesus says, And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And then what sin is Jesus found guilty of and crucified for by the high priest? Blasphemy, a sin against the second commandment. But Jesus was actually using the name of God, his name, in the absolute best way possible, the name it was intended for, the way it was intended for. In that moment, Jesus fulfilled the second commandment perfectly. We who are guilty stand before men and we curse God. We blaspheme God. But Jesus, who is innocent, stands before men who are cursing and blaspheming him 
and he confesses God. So when he comes again, coming with the cloud of heaven, the law has been fulfilled. All who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Not because we're righteous, not because we've kept that commandment, but because he is, and he did. At the end of the world, when Jesus appears again, all we who have called upon him will be able to stand before him. Just as Moses stood before him in the cloud and did not die, who is judged according to the righteousness not of himself but of the, of the Son of God, we who call on the name of the Lord our God will be judged not by our righteousness but by God's. And all of our deeds will be hidden by that cloud. All of our sin will be hidden by that cloud. The only thing that we've seen of ours is what Jesus has declared as ours. Jesus not only kept his name holy, but he gives it to you. In holy baptism, Jesus gives you his own name. He clothes you. He covers you with his own righteousness and his own righteous name. Every cloud in the sky, every time you see a single cloud in the sky, we should think, maybe this is Jesus appearing. Maybe this is Jesus coming again. And it should cause us, as Luke says, to, to straighten up and to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. So now, in the end of the world, let's pray, praise, and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.